0: but Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross in our place, something he didn't deserve, but did it out of love to give us the forgiveness of our sins, something we don't deserve. That's the gospel, the good news.
1: Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. As followers of Jesus, we are called to share the Gospel, the good news about who Jesus is and why He came to the world. But we often take for granted that everyone knows the bad news, what sin has done. Here's David with a message called, Go Into the World.
0: The passion of my life is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. When I received Christ as my Lord and Savior and especially accepted this call to proclaim his truth in ministry, I knew the centerpiece of every message and the centerpiece of every church that God might call me to would be the gospel of Jesus Christ. In case you don't know, the word gospel means good news and it is gloriously good news. But I'm convinced You love Jesus in direct proportion to how bad you know the bad news is. Really, the good news of the gospel shouldn't be preached unless the bad news is also preached. The bad news is that every single one of us, because of the sin of Adam at the moment of our conception, have a bentness towards sin, towards selfishness. It's lived out in a trajectory over life proven in our disobedience to the moral laws of God. Our separation between us and God is huge. Our eternal destiny is hell, separated forever from God. And God in his holiness could not allow us to be in his presence, and that's why the eternal destination of hell must be ours. But God is also love, perfect love. And he so loved this world that he enshrouded himself in human flesh, in a baby in a manger. And that baby's name was Jesus, the name means Savior, to save us from our sins. This Jesus grew up and lived 33 years on this planet in perfect obedience to the righteous requirements of God's moral law where we couldn't do it because we were conceived in sin and death, God bypassed that process and conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this perfect, sinless God-man did what we can't do and then died in our place on the cross. That should have been our cross, folks. That should have been our crown of thorns. It should have been our spear in the side. It should have been our scourgings. That should have been our death. That should have been our punishment for our sins. But Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross in our place, something he didn't deserve, but did it out of love, to give us the forgiveness of our sins by grace through faith, something we don't deserve. That's the gospel. The good news is though separated from God and our trajectory being hell, Jesus intervened and forgave us of our sins, and now our trajectory is eternal life in heaven with Him. Wow. That's the passion of my heart. You may disagree with it, you may not understand it, but that's the passion of the church that Jesus formed. So I want to proclaim that gospel. Till I have no more breath in my lungs. I want to take this gospel throughout all of the world because that's the, the uh, command that our commander in chief has given us and his church who love him. So I want to share with you some scriptures that talk about where the gospel should be taken. And I hope the scriptures will challenge you today as they have challenged me to remind us that we're sent into the world as Jesus was sent by the Father into the world. First of all, John chapter 20, verse 21, in one of Jesus' resurrection appearances, he says this to his disciples. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father sent me into the world, so I'm now sending you, my disciples, into the world. Salt, light, into the world. Acts 1.8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and, what's the last part? To the end of the earth. Hmm. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Trinitaria formula, We worship one God, Christians, not three gods. We worship one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then Paul, in his letter to the Roman church in Romans 15, verses 14 through 24, writes these extraordinary words. Listen. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God, the forgiveness of his sins by grace." to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. That was Paul's calling. As Peter was called to the Jews, Paul was called to the Gentiles, a minister of the gospel. In the priestly service of the gospel of God, priestly service, a priest is one who stands as an intermediary between Humans and God. So in the understanding of the Bible of the priesthood of all believers, that's not just one office for a few people. It's for all who call themselves followers of Jesus. We stand as mediators between God and human beings with the gospel of God, the teaching of the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ so that people can be reconciled to God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. When they appear before God one day, they receive themselves before God as servants of Jesus. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit, that means made holy by the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition, my ambition, my passion, my first priority for Paul and me to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. That's a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 59, written 600 years earlier. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Real quickly, where did Paul want to go? Which country? Spain. Spain. Keep that in mind. So as you look at the New Testament... God gives a call to those who are his people to almost have a concentric circle idea of taking the gospel into the world. In Acts 1-8, we see, first of all, the gospel's taken to Jerusalem and Judea. That's locally. For us today, that would be like our neighbors who need to hear, or those in our general Charlotte area who need to hear. The next concentric circle outward is Samaria. In Jesus' day, the Samaritans were despised. That's because some 600 years earlier, during the dispersion, when the Jews had disobeyed God, God dispersed them to the Babylonian captivity. There were thousands taken into that captivity. The Jews, though, who remained in Jerusalem often didn't have people with whom they could marry. So the Jews would marry a Gentile who was there. And they produced what faithful Jews called a half-breed, a Samaritan, half-Jewish, half-Gentile. So that when the Jews came back from the captivity, they absolutely despised the Samaritans. They even had their own area called Samaria where they lived, their own ghetto, if you will. Jesus, in John 4, walked through Samaria and met a woman at the well and astounded people in that area for, first of all, being a Jew who would talk to a half-breed woman, and then secondly, to talk to a half-breed woman publicly about the love of God for her. So Samaria, for us today, I think would be the broken places in Charlotte, the inner city where people are hopeless and hapless in so many ways. You may not know this or not, but Charlotte, of the 50th, 50 largest cities in our nation, ranks 50th in upward mobility out of poverty. It is a deplorable statistic for our city. It's a horrible blight, but it's there. So the church of Jesus Christ as a part of the gospel call needs to go into those broken places and give hope to hurting people. So that's the next concentric circle, Samaria, broken places. But the next concentric concentric circle is to all the nations, to the uttermost ends of the earth. Paul understood that. That's why when he wrote this letter to the Romans, he talks about his ambition is to preach the gospel, but then he talks about coming through Rome and asking them to send him a sending church to what country? Spain. Why Spain? Because in that day, Spain was the westernmost part of the Roman Empire. Spain was the uttermost ends of the earth for Paul. And he knew that. So he says to the Roman Christians, I've not been able to come to you because I've been busy planting churches throughout the Roman Empire in key cities where they would be like radioisotopes and bubble outward to preach the gospel to the regions surrounding those major cities. But the time has now come for me to come to you in Rome and have you send me to Spain to the uttermost ends of the earth because my ambition, my passion is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he makes this remarkable statement. Did you catch it? I don't want to build on another person's foundation with the gospel. I don't want to go to a place where the gospel's already been preached. I want to take this gospel to places where the foundation's never been laid. I wanna take this gospel to the unreached people's groups of the world. Are are you aware there are presently right now in the world 7,000 unreached people's groups who've never heard the gospel? They total over two billion people. There are over 400 million people who've never heard the name of Jesus in the nation of India alone. The church of Jesus Christ has a responsibility to take seriously his command. As the Father sent me into the world, so I send you into the world. Make disciples of all the nations. Go to the uttermost ends of the earth in South America. You may not know it, but Colombia is one of the places where Christians are most persecuted in the world. Why? Because of drug lords. They don't want the gospel there. They want drugs to still be taken by the people. And they know that when the gospel of Jesus Christ is totally imbibed in a human part, people are set free from their addictions. You're aware, aren't you, that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God gave Adam and Eve humanity, authority over the plants and the animals. In Genesis 3, sin permeated every part of God's once perfect creation. And now, no longer do humans have authority over the plants and the animals. Because of sin, the plants and the animals have authority over humans. You don't believe that? For those of you with eating disorders and addictions, plants and animals have authority over you. For those of you who have a smoking addiction... A plant has authority over you. For those of you with a drug addiction, plants have authority over you. There's an inversion of God's original intent in creation. Now, dear friends, the only thing I've ever learned about how to be free from addictions is rooted in this reality. The only way you'll ever be free from an addiction that controls your life is to love something more than you love the addiction when Jesus comes into your heart and you realize the gospel of grace, your heart is filled with the love of the Father. You know that the Father sent his Son to love you and forgive you of your sins, and Jesus becomes the master passion of your life. Then you love him more than anything else in the world. The only way you'll ever be set free from your addictions is to love Jesus more than the addiction. And then, over time, His love consumes your heart, and slowly but surely the addiction loses its grip upon you. The gospel commands us to go into all the world, all the nations, especially places where there's not yet been built a foundation. It's not optional, folks. Our commander-in-chief said, go. We must go. As he sent his son, so he sends us into the world. As salt and light into the world. Marilyn once had a friend who said to her, you know I have a Christian hairdresser. I have a Christian person who looks after my car. We go to a Christian school and we like our lives that way. Marilyn and I have scratched our head every day since. How can a person who calls him or herself a totally devoted follower of Jesus, basically commit oneself to a holy huddle lifestyle, removing oneself from the world and never taking seriously the whole command to go. First Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. It's a command. We've got to go. The question is, What about you? Where may God be sending you? To your neighbor for sure. To the broken and poor in Charlotte. Yeah. But what about the world? Where's your heart for the world? It's not optional for followers of Jesus.
1: You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio for a conversation about this morning's e-devotion. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte.
2: Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center and Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of Hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, uh, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen and, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, though?
0: Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so um, and JT Williams and Thomasboro and Reeve Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms. Just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you Moments of Hope and just this couldn't be, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And, you know, uh, the, the first call we made uh, when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the Moments of Hope and it was uh, phone call that was met with a resounding yes, and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um, everything you all do for us and for the kingdom.
2: And not only that, but you uh, also sewed into our kitchen in the Dream Center now, this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants opened back up, all the meals were shipped to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful, for you guys, God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope and we just Pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much.
1: I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us. Hi
0: Jen, great to be with you too.
1: Well, David, in this morning's e-devotions, you gave us a leadership tip that can apply to many relationships in life. You said to correct the behavior, not the person. I'd love to hear more on this.
0: Well, I learned this one from my college basketball coach, Dean Smith. Uh, He actually would bring this up often with us because whenever we would make a mistake, those of us who wanted playing time would then feel awful about it, but he would always just correct what we did wrong. He would never tell us that you're a bad basketball player. Mm -hmm. And I thought that understanding would really be something that would help me as a father and as a person with other friendships and relationships throughout life, and it really, really has. But this is especially a good parenting tip, I think, that Mm -hmm. when your kids mess up, and they will most assuredly mess up, correct their behavior, not who they are as a person. Say to them what you did was wrong. Don't say to them you are wrong Mm -hmm. because you don't want that shame to be placed on them. You just want to correct the behavior, but always let them know they are a beloved child. They have your name. They're a part of your family, and that will never change. They'll always be beloved by you. You.
1: That's so good. Do you have a story? I think you shared something with me oh, recently, like, not did. to throw you under the bus, no, but it's a good story. No, I made story. this mistake,
0: and here I am as an adult father with an adult child, and I made this mistake. Our son, Michael, competed at the United States 2021 Olympic Trials in swimming, and he just barely missed it. Usually, in his swimming acumen, his morning swims were not as good as his evening swims. Well, in one of his events, he swam a really great morning swim, but he didn't swim as well in the evening. And that was more unusual for him. So that evening, as he had not qualified for the Olympics, I just said to him, gosh, Michael, I couldn't understand why your evening swim wasn't faster than your morning swim. And he just looked at me and shrugged and said, Dad, I don't know. I I just don't know what happened. And then suddenly the Lord whomped me on the (laughs) side of the head and helped me remember that I had broken this very thing I'm talking about right now. I tried to get involved in his behavior, but also suggested that he had done wrong. And when the Lord came convicted me of that. Later that night, I went back to him and I said, son, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I I was just trying to help you understand what went wrong. And he was so great with me. He said, dad, that's just fine. But it was a good reminder to me that when you're with your children, you are not their coach. Mm. You're their dad and you're not to correct who they are. You're just to correct their behavior. It's always the best way to live.
1: I think that's so good because you don't want their identity to be associated with being a bad person. Right just correcting their behavior slowly and gently as a good father would, and our good father does with us. Yeah. He never taints our identity. In fact, he builds us up from our identity.
0: Absolutely, Jen. And everything in our culture is performance-based. Mm-hmm. Everything. We are rewarded by job performance or by success. We Our identity is related to our performance. That's not true with God. Mm-hmm. Our identity is just because he loves us and because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then we perform out of that to do as best we can, but the identity is solid, forever fixed, and we are loved by God no matter how we perform. In fact, here's the difference between the Christian faith and all other faiths. In all other faith, it is I perform so I'll be accepted. With the Christian faith, it is I am accepted, therefore I perform.
1: Wow, this is so good today. Thank you so much, David.
0: Everyone, if you'd like to receive these daily e-blasts from me, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there free of charge every morning in your inbox at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours to give you a moment of hope.
1: This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston, encouraging you to enjoy time with family and friends this summer.